Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. And, uh, and so let's, let's dig into the word here. I want to talk to you about Paul's vision for what Christianity should look like in our world, all right? So what Paul, Paul had this vision for what Christianity would look like. And Paul's writing these inspirational letters while chained to a wall, being tortured by the authority of Nero, and he eventually he dies. Now, th this should be uh, obvious, but Paul, um, Paul died having never known if what he gave his life to worked. He, he didn't know. He didn't know Christianity was going to take off. He didn't know whether it was going to work, whether it wasn't going to work. He had no idea. He, he, had no, he died before the Gospels were written. He died before Christianity was legal. Yet, he still gave his life for this thing that he believed in so much would change the world. And that makes him simply one of the most inspirational people that you can imagine. I mean, think about that. He, this is a guy that wrote, if God started it, he'll complete it. Hey, if he did, hey, this will turn out for my deliverance. Hey, what might look like your destruction will actually turn out to be your salvation. Hey, 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 with God, all things are possible. Hey, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know if you do it for God, it's never wasted. This guy is inspiring. And so he's, he's writing this letter to the Philippian believers knowing he'll never see him again. He's gonna die. He, he's gonna die, that's it. And, unless he denies Jesus as Lord and proclaims Caesar as Lord, He's going to die. And so he's writing this sort of last words out to all these churches, you know, and, 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 he's, and he's given this vision for what the church might look like. And, and with the Philippians, he uses this phrase that he doesn't use anywhere else, but it gets quoted all the time. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, and, and so the context, though, was not get your beliefs straight. The context was not tick all the doctrinal boxes on the pamphlet. That was not the context at all. Actually, the context was not believing in certain things, but allowing our connection to the cross and resurrection to fundamentally shift the way we see our whole world and how we act with one another. And, and so I've heard that quoted all over the world. I've heard it quoted lots of times. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've never yet seen anybody quote the next verse. So Paul goes into an application. It's a letter. Paul goes into an application of what this might look like to work this thing out. And so he gives some applications about his vision for what the church might look like um, in the world. And this is his first application. This is the very next verse. Check this out. Bring that slide up for me. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. <laughs> well, let's just stop right there. This could be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. Let's ask ourselves a wrestling question. How are we doing with that? Paul's vision for what the church should be perceived as in the, in, in the world is the group of people who don't complain and they don't argue amongst themselves. So let's ask ourselves a wrestling question. Are we known worldwide for being the group of people who complain the least and argue the least? And if not, why not? And what do we need to shift to do that? Paul's vision. See, when Christians start carrying on about sin, they always pick the sin they don't deal with. Why? Because it's easy to scapegoat somebody else than to deal with our own stuff. But nobody gets a pass on this one. Do all things without grumbling or disputing? Now we're all in the same boat. So I want to talk about that this morning, about creating a culture that doesn't tolerate 
grumbling or petty arguments. Because here's the thing. If we successfully create a culture that doesn't tolerate grumbling or petty arguments, I think we would create a contagious culture that we'd have to keep people away from us instead of having to invite them in. Because that would be simply inspiring. Now, if you're a Bible nerd, I'm glad because I'm a Bible nerd. So I have three thoughts for the Bible nerd. First thought, I can actually read this in Greek, okay? I know that makes me a real nerd, but I can actually read it in Greek. And I can tell you the word all there is actually all. <laughs> Which means there's no exceptions. But Shane, my husband's an idiot. I know. I know him. I also know he'd gladly die for you if everybody else left. Let's call that even. All. But Shane, my wife's hard work. I know. I know. I know her. I also know she'd stand with you if everybody else left. She's solid, right? Let's call that even. All. But Shane, the waitress, taking so long to get her order. Really? So you drove a motor car on a paved road to a store that prepackages food for you and we still find something to complain about? Come on. All. But Shane, my team lost by 89 points. I know. I know. All. So, three thoughts for the Bible nerds. First, all means all. Second, Paul is a first century rabbi, and he puts some pretty serious language around this. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Really? Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, amongst whom you shine like stars in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, I'd love to know I didn't waste my life. And one of the ways I'm going to know I didn't waste my life is that we do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, three thoughts for the Bible nerds. First, all means all. Second, Paul is a first century rabbi who has memorized the scripture up to that point, and he's using direct quotes from the Old Testament to make his point. Now, if you're a Bible nerd, you're going to go back and study this later. If you're not, you'll forget about it. But 30 seconds of honor for Bible nerddom here is the references. If you just take a second and glance at this next slide, here they are. No, no grumbling is a reference from Exodus 16. Blameless and pure is from Genesis 17. Warped and crooked generation is a reference from Deuteronomy 32. That's when Moses says, you Israelites, God's done all this for you and you're still grumbling. You're no longer children of God. You're a warped and crooked generation, right? Shine like stars is Daniel 12. Run in vain is a reference to Isaiah 65. Now, if you're thinking it's 2019 in Melbourne, so what? Good, that's a good thought, right? Here's the so what. Paul is using the Exodus story to make a point to the Philippian church, and I think it's still applicable today. Here is the Exodus story in one statement. There's a group of people. They did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, and God saved their life and moved them from slavery to freedom. Then subsequent to that, that same group of people grumbled about things less important than that. Does that sound like anybody you know? <laughs> sounds like me. It sounds like you, right? We're people that God reached out and saved our life despite us doing nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it. And then we find ourselves grumbling about things less important than that. That is not shining. Essentially, next slide. Paul is giving us a more inspirational way to live. He's saying, you don't have to copy the freed Israelites and grumble. There's a better way to live. You can shine like stars. So three thoughts for the Bible nerds. First thought, all means all. Second thought, Paul is using the Exodus story to make a point about what it means to be light 
in our world. Third thought, and if you know me, you know I love words, so I have to show you the words. Next slide. The Greek word translated grumble is such a cool word. Gong, gizmon. I love that, so I'm going to say it slow. Gong, gizmon. It's a gong. The Greek word translated grumble is a musical metaphor around an out-of-place symbol. A gong. That's grumbling. Let me explain what I mean. Because Paul loved musical metaphors. Here's what I know about music. Not much. I know when it sounds good. Know when it doesn't sound so good. Here's the thing. I know that it doesn't matter if you have the best musicians in Melbourne up on the stage. Does not matter. Best singers, best guitar player, best keyboard player. None of that matters. Because there's no such thing as a musician that's good enough to overcome a bad drummer. No such thing, right? You can have the best musicians in the world, and if the drummer is offbeat, it butchers the song. And let's just be honest, we've all been in church long enough to have seen that awkward happening happen at least once, right? The musicians are doing something, the drummer's a sixteenth of a beat off, and there's this awkward, there's nothing anyone can do. It's like, <laughs> right? Here's what has to happen, right? There's nothing to do except for to stop the song and start over because nobody's good enough to catch up. No one, it just does not exist. That's what Paul is talking about here, that your family is a song, your church is a song, your ministry team is a song, your business is a song. Ideally, we should find our place in that song. But if we can't, humbly sit the number out. What we don't want to do is be an out-of-beat drummer who's just arbitrarily crashing cymbals off-beat, making everyone else start the song over because of our selfishness. That's what grumbling is. Now, let's talk about what grumbling's not. Grumbling is not pointing out something that could be better. Having already brainstormed four possible solutions and made an internal commitment to being a part of that solution. That is called leadership. Grumbling is when we just arbitrarily just point out all the stuff that's not going so good, and in so doing, while everybody else is enjoying their song, you're becoming a gong. Three thoughts for the Bible nerds. First, all means all. Second, Paul is using the Exodus story to make a point about what it means to be light in the world. And third, be a part of the song and never a gong. The idea is, is be a part of the song and never a gong. If you're not willing to play your part, at least shut up and don't make everybody else start over because of our selfishness. That's the idea. Paul's vision for working out our own salvation with fear and trembling starts with a commitment to doing all things without grumbling or disputing what would our culture look like if we just simply did not tolerate grumbling or petty arguments? I would suggest it would be better. Because tell me that I'm not the only one in the room that throws up in my mouth a little bit when I see Christians airing petty disagreements on the internet for everybody to see. It does not exalt Jesus Christ or his finished work or what we are supposed to be promoting the goodness and the compassion and the kindness and the justice of God in, in the world. Which leads me to this. There is an ancient rabbi's parable. Now, this is not in the Bible. It was a parable rabbis told about the Bible to help us understand it, and specifically the nature of grumbling. So if you ask an ancient rabbi, tell me about the nature of grumbling, here is the parable they told. I love this parable, so I'm going to share it with you. Here's what they said. That grumbling is like this. As the children of Israel were walking through the Red Sea from slavery to freedom, there was walls of water being held back on both sides for their redemption. And there was a slave. 
and that slave got a piece of mud stuck between his toes. Now keep in mind, he's just been set free from Egypt, and he's worried about a piece of mud between his toes, and he can't clear it. He just, no matter what he does, he can't get the piece of mud from between his toes. So he says to his friend, mate, I have a piece of mud stuck between me toes. He, he's an Australian slave. Now, they're walking through, and the, the parable says that the two slaves got so focused on the one piece of mud between the toes that they lost sight of the walls of water being held back for their redemption. That's grumbling. Grumbling is when we focus on the one thing not going so well and lose sight of everything else God is up to in the world. Christians should be the people pointing out all the good things that God is up to in the world instead of giving platform to the pieces of mud. That is a fact. We should never lose sight of all the water at the expense of one piece of mud. Because here's the truth. You can't judge success on a, on a plotted point. You judge success on a trajectory line. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If I said, let me tell you about my money situation. I have one million US dollars in the bank and I have zero debt. Am I winning or am I losing? Well, the answer is you can't know because I've only given you a plotted point. So what if I said, let me tell you the whole story. I inherited a hundred million dollars from my rich uncle and I'm an idiot and I'm down to my last million. Would I be winning or would I be losing? Now I'm losing, right? But what if I started with nothing and I just became a millionaire? Would I be winning or would I be losing? I'd be winning. So two people could be at the exact same plotted point and one be winning and one be losing because you don't judge success on plotted points. You judge success on the trajectory line. And this world is getting better and 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 better. There's never been a time better to be alive than right now. And it's not even close. So when Christians go, oh, Shane, can you believe how bad this world's getting? Oh, God, can you believe how bad this world's getting? What are you talking about? And one compared to what? What are you talking? There's never been a better time to be alive. Now, is God done redeeming the world? Not even close. Is it better than it's ever been? You better believe it is. And we should be the people pointing that out because the reason it's the best it's ever been is because the work of the spirit of the risen Christ in the world. Look at the world in the Roman Empire Jesus came into and compare it to today. It's not even close. This is the best time to be alive, and we should be the people screaming that from the top of our lungs, pointing out all the water instead of focusing on the one piece of mud, right? Now, you don't look that convinced. Okay, I'll prove it until you get hungry, <laughs> all right? Life expectancy. Life expectancy in Jesus's day was 32. By 1550, life expectancy had ballooned to 37. By 1850, it was 43. 1925, first time in the history of the world we were living to 50 years old. That was only in the Western world, though. Global life expectancy did not cross 50 years old until 1948. That is within my father's lifetime. Now we're living into our 80s. Is God done redeeming long life? No. Is it better? Yeah. Okay, don't seem convinced yet. All right. Would you rather be a woman today or 1950? Don't think too hard about that. That's an easy one today. Is God done redeeming women's rights? Absolutely not. Is it better than it's ever been? You better believe it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Would you rather be black today or 1950? Or 1850? Look, is God done redeeming race relations? No, he's not. Is it better than it's ever been? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Medicine's better. 
That's why we're living longer? Okay. Would you rather have dental work today or 1950? <laughs> right? Or 1850, right? Today, they can numb your whole mouth with one well-placed shot and nerve bundle before they drill in your tooth. Today, they numb your mouth with Novocaine. 1850, they numbed your mouth with whiskey. Novocaine is better. It's just better. It just is. Hey, this is true. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900. This is absolutely true. You can check me out on this. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900 was heroin, liquid heroin. It was legal and highly effective. <laughs> oh, look, Billy's not coughing anymore. <laughs> Actually, Billy's not doing much of anything anymore. <laughs> Is God done? No. Is it better? You better believe it's better. Hey, anybody want to go to the public hanging tonight? No, why? We don't do that anymore because that's crazy. See, when people say, oh, this world's getting crazy these days, what are you talking about? Hey, anybody want to go, anybody want to go to the public disemboweling of the village betrayer? You know, 400 years ago, that was entertainment. They would have two characters called clowns. This was the etymology of the clown. Two characters in painted face called clowns. They would publicly disembowel a village betrayer, and that was called Friday night entertainment, right? Public disembowelment used to be our weekend entertainment. Now we have Netflix. Netflix is better, right? Is, <laughs> is God done? No. Is it better? Yes. Money's better. According to the World Health Organization, 94% of the whole world was living in poverty in 1820 by today's definition of poverty. Today, that def today, it's more like 15%. And by 2025, they're predicting that it'll be below 10% for the first time in the history of the world. Is God done redeeming poverty? No. Is it better? Yeah. We should be pointing that out. We should be the people pointing that out. And you know, you know, it's largely better because of the work of the Church of Jesus Christ all around the world bringing justice. It is. And we should be the people pointing that out. We, you know, we, we've built hospitals and schools and, and, and brought medicine. Absolutely. We should be the people pointing that out. Hey, hey, according to Forbes magazine, the generation turning 19 today has more money in the bank at 19 than the previous four generations before it combined. Unreal. And that's obvious. All you gotta do is talk to them. Ask a 19-year-old, hey man, what's your plan? Be like, you know what I'm thinking about doing? I'm thinking about taking a gap year. I'm gonna take a year off and walk around Europe, find myself. Who's got that kind of money to find themselves? Imagine, I was trying to imagine me telling my dad, I'm going to go walk around Europe to find myself. He's like, what are you, you are here. This is where you are. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is, this is a, an amazingly affluent sort of situation. I, the money's better, rights are better, health is better. Now look, this is earth, okay? Are there a couple things not going so well? Yes. Are there a few pieces of mud? Yes. Okay. If you woke up this morning in Aleppo, not good. That's a piece of mud. They didn't deserve that. Absolutely not. If you woke up this morning as a woman under extremist Taliban rule, that's not good. It's a piece of mud. It is. It's a piece of mud. That's not good. And we should be bringing justice to that situation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, somebody, I was talking about this once, and this guy, he wasn't taking me on. He just thought he was being funny. He's like, hey, Shane. Hey, Shane. Ha -ha. Hey, hey, you missed one, huh? It's a 40-minute talk. How can I think of everything? That's first. Secondly, he goes, hey, man, you missed one. I said, what's that? He said, if the world's getting better, how come the divorce rate's going up, huh? 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 Let's talk about that. Huh? Huh? How come the divorce rate's going up? Okay, first, not funny. Second, is the divorce rate going up? Yeah, of course it is. 
course the divorce rate's going up. More people getting divorced than ever before? Absolutely. And the irony is less people are getting married, right? So less people are getting married, more people are getting divorced, right? That's not good. That's not good. That's a piece of mud, right? And there's some answers for a different moment at a different time that we could explore around how we can make that better. But, in, but, but why are more people getting divorced than ever before? That, well, that's easy. Why are, people, why are there more divorces now than ever before? Simple. It's because we're living longer, right? Duh. Look, when you died at 32, till death do us part was more doable, right? <laughs> now you're living to 84, right? That, that's like saying... That's like saying the world's worse because we have more skin cancer. Of course we have more skin cancer. We're living 50 years longer for our skin to do jacked up stuff, right? Right? It, it, of course. Now look, is God done? No. Is it getting better? Oh, yeah. And we should be the people pointing that out, which leads me to this. So why is our default button to grumble? Unless, just, unless you're that one eternal optimist in the room that annoys other people, right? For most of us, our default setting is to find the piece of mud. It is. You, you do it individually. I do it individually. If I make 100 decisions in a week and one's not so good, I obsess about the one. Right? That's us, right? right? So it's just in us to find the one piece of mud. So let's talk about why that is and how we can overcome that. N next slide. I, I think we grumble when we forget to remember. Like we forget to remember our nation's awesome. It is. We woke up this morning in Australia, a top five greatest nation on the earth. Motor cars, paved roads, stores that prepackage food for us, clean water in our tap, machines that do washing, other machines that do drying, world-class healthcare right down the road and it's largely free because Australia lives with the conviction that all people should have access to high-quality healthcare regardless of social economic status. America is still discussing this, by the way, right? Are you kidding me right now? Come on. Look, when I hear Australians complain about Australia, let me be blunt. Where are you gonna go? If you can't make it here, bro, where are you going to go? <laughs> Statistically, there's only two nations in the world better than here, Luxembourg and Norway, and they're flipping freezing, right? <laughs> Come on. Hey, hey, our life is good. Hey, there, there might be a couple of exceptions in this room, and if you're the exception, uh, grace, peace, honestly, listen. But for in general, if God never did one more thing for any of us, our life's pretty good, Right? Right? Hey, our health's a gift. I woke up this morning without a chemotherapy appointment. That's pretty good, right? This is why we get so convicted when someone who has a chemotherapy appointment and we get confronted with it with our eyeballs. We're like, oh man, what was I complaining? Oh man, look what they're going through, you know? Like, like our, our life's a gift. Our health's a gift. Hey, our transportation. Like, Honestly, this is the most technologically, uh, technologically advanced transportation world ever. Like, like we, we get in, I, I fly every week. And every week I find people complaining and grumbling in airports about 20-minute flight delays. 20-minute flight delays. Are you serious right now? You imagine your great-great-grandfather. You tell great-great-granddad. Like, what? What? 20 minutes, it took me six months to get there on a boat. And I just hope we didn't all die of scurvy on the way there. And you're fixing to get in the most technologically advanced piece of machinery ever invented in the history of the world for travel. It's going to fly you at 36,000 feet, 900 kilometers an hour, allowing you to digitally stream on-demand entertainment content at the push of a button. And you can still complain? There's no end to the mud finding. No end at all. No end at all. And by the way, if you're interested, right, Richard Branson has invented a plane that can fly Mach 15, right? That's 10,680 miles an hour. It can go Melbourne to London in an hour. 
right? Yes, 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 I'm in. I'm in. I'm not on that first one, though, I can tell you that. They're going to have to do that about 10,000 times for they're going to find me on there. I don't know what that would do to you, right? And here's the thing. It doesn't fly faster. It flies higher because the earth is round, right? If you fly at 96,000 feet instead of 36,000 feet, your relative ground speed is 10,680 miles an hour. You can go anywhere in the world in an hour, right? The, the, the issue is, is how do you come down from that high without blowing people's heads off? <laughs> I don't know. They'll work it out, right? right? Like, could you imagine... Could you imagine, this is how much better the world is. You imagine if your great-great-grandfather came back from the dead, right, and lived with you for three days, and your job was to convince him the world is worse, <laughs> right? You imagine that? What? What's that? It's a car. It's a dough. Takes us wherever we want to go on a paved road at 115 kilometers an hour. What? What? What's that? It's a tap. What's that do? Brings in clean, drinkable water into our house under pressure. What? What's that? It's the hot water. What? What's that? That's toilet paper. <laughs> Granddad, it's amazing. It's amazing. We saw you collecting moss earlier. Not necessary, okay? We're going to urge you to use the toilet paper. And by the way, if you're interested, in Japan, um, they were having problems with too much toilet paper in their sewers, right? So what they did is they got ingenuitive, and they, they, they invented a toilet paper-free toilet, right? Toilet paper-free toilet. I know what you're thinking. I know. The people in the back are like, God, Shane, that's disgusting. Of course. That's because in your mind, you're picturing one of these French bidet things, you know. Uh-uh. No, no. No, 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 no. No, the toilets in Japan, you go to the toilet, and then you get done. You hit a button. That thing washes your rear end with a 35-horsepower Kubota engine. Like, You can't wait to go to the bathroom in Japan. I promise you. You go to the bathroom in Japan, you come back to Melbourne, you think you're in the third world. <laughs> like our homes, we're living better than royalty used to live. I, I went to the king's castle in carefully in Wales from 1300. I saw his residence. Trust me, yours is better. All of ours is better. It's just getting better. Next slide. I think we grumble when we forget to remember the stories larger. We focus on the mud and miss the water. Like the trajectory of history is longer than the 20 years we remember, right? It's just, it's bigger than that. Let, let's say it this way. Next slide. I, I think we grumble when we, when we feel like we need more or we compare ourselves to what others have. Here's what happens. We look right and left instead of in and up to get our value, right? And here's the problem in Australia. You look right and left, there's nowhere to look except richer people, right? And then you have the richest 7% of people in the world arguing about how that 7% is divvied up. It makes us look silly, right? And it evinces a belief system that's a lie. The belief is, it's called, if you're interested, it's called the lie of the sacred object. Now, the lie of the sacred object is the belief that there's something outside of me that I don't currently have that if I just attained it, I would feel better, be more at peace, more content, more like God, more whole, that, that kind of thing. So it's, it's called the lie of the sacred object, and it comes up short every time, even if it's a good thing. So let's talk about that. Next slide. So the idea that I'll have peace and contentment at some unknown point in the future, that's a lie. Even if it's a good thing, like, oh, oh, if I could just lose this weight, I'd feel better. No, you won't. No way. And let me be clear. If you need to lose weight, please do. Please do. Seriously. There's a lot of health benefits for being at the appropriate weight for your height. Absolutely, right? 
Losing 15 kilos, if you need to lose 15 kilos, is a good thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. You'll just be a 15 kilo lighter version of your discontented self. It does not work, right? Or if I just meet that person, man, my life would be better. No, it won't. No way. And let me be clear. A good spouse is a great thing to have. They are. You marry well, that is awesome. It is awesome. A good spouse is a great thing to have. Now, you marry poorly, you'll pray for a comet to come to earth to bring you sweet relief, okay? Like, right? But a good spouse is a great thing to have. But if you're not enough without them, you'll never be enough with them, right? Why? You'll never hear this testimony. Man, we hated our life. You'll never see a testimony of two miserable single people that forged a happy marriage. Never. You'll never hear that. Oh, man, oh, man, we sure hated our life, but then we got married, it fixed it all. No, marriage doesn't solve problems. Marriage magnifies them, right? Like, a, a raise? A raise is a good thing to have, but if you're not enough, if you'll just be a richer version of your discontented. It does, not, it does not work. A car, a shirt, any object outside of us, right? So let, let's talk about it another way. Next slide. I, I think we grumble when we don't live with the conviction that God has been good to us or we feel like God has shorted us, right? Like if we don't live with the conviction God has been good to me, like, and, and, and let me be clear, there might be an exception in this room, right? Where, where you really need God to step up and do something that's necessary, right? But in general, if we're honest, if God never did one more thing for any of us, in general, our life's pretty good. Like our life's pretty good. Right, right. And if we live with, the, if we don't live with the conviction God has been good to us, then nothing else really matters. So, so, so why, why do we grumble? Well, we grumble when we forget to remember. We focus on mud, miss the water. We compare, right, right. Or we don't live with the conviction God has been good to us. Let's say it a couple more ways. Next slide. I, I think we grumble when we judge the future by the present. Right? So, so the idea is that the philosophical word for this is despair. Despair is the internal belief that my tomorrow is simply a repeat of yesterday. Now, resurrection as a doctrine on a pamphlet that we go, yep, I believe in it, that allows for that. But resurrection as a fundamental way of seeing the world does not allow for that. Resurrection says you never know what God might do to you tomorrow that fundamentally shifts everything in your direction. The, the psychological word for this is to freeze the present. Freeze the present. The idea is, is that I'm in a lot of pain right now and I'll never be out of this pain. This pain will never leave me. And heck, it's just in us to freeze the present. Look, if we get a bad enough cold, four days into a real bad cold, we're thinking, I'll never breathe again. That's me done, you know? Or, or maybe heartbreak. Heartbreak's a great example of this. Everybody remember your first breakup, right? Remember the first, remember the, in my case, remember the first girl that broke your heart, right? Right? Like, of course you do. Of course, I remember the first, I remember the first girl that broke up with me and it was mutual. And don't you think anything less than that, right? We got together, we talked about it, it wasn't working. Here's the problem, right? Here's the problem. She seemed fine. I was devastated, right? And I was like, oh God, oh God, this pain will never leave me. Oh Lord, I love her so much. I'll never find anybody. Oh, you know, I was 14 years old, <laughs> right? My dad picks me up from school, you know, and I'm just miserable, you know? Dad's like, hey, what's the matter with you? And if you ever have parented teenagers, you know what I said. What did I say? Nothing. My dad's like, really? Then tell your face that. Because here's the thing. 
I can't see your heart, but I can see your face. And if your face is any indication of what's going on in your heart, then something's wrong. So if something's not wrong, that means your face is broken. So fix your flipping face. <laughs> Dad brings me home, you know. He's had enough, you know, an hour later. He's had enough. Comes in, he says, hey, you gonna tell me or not? It's like, Dad, she broke up with me. It was mutual. I hurt so bad, you know. My dad looked at me and said, boy, are you crying over a girl? It's like, yeah, Dad. We went together for five weeks, you know. It's a big deal, you know. My dad said, hang on, I'll be right back. He comes back with the smallest potted plant, you know, like a real small pot. I could easily hold it like this, little green sprig, you know. And even back then, I was a pretty good communicator. I could see where the object lesson is going, you know. You know, new life, fresh start, second chances, death, bursting up with life out of the ground. You know? Any of those things. No. My redneck father looked at me and said, if you're gonna cry over a girl, at least cry in the plant so your tears will do something. <laughs> God, you're embarrassing. <laughs> and you know he was right. Three weeks later, new girl, forget her, right? That's, right? You don't freeze the present. Now, let's say it one more way, next slide. I think we grumble when we forget life is a marathon and not a sprint. This is a quote from the great Franciscan monk, Richard Rohr. He says, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10. The idea is, is that we grumble when we feel a failure, but we're not a failure. We just overestimated what was possible, but we're underestimating what will be possible if we just stick with it, that. So why do we grumble? We forget to remember. Uh, the, the story's larger. We focus on mud, miss water. We compare. We don't live with the conviction God's been good to us. We freeze the present, um, or we forget life is a marathon, not a sprint. Now, if you're the type of person who listens to the first three minutes of a message, and then you zone out. And then when you feel the message coming to a close, you come back. If that's you, now's your time. <laughs> this is your moment. And if you're thinking, oh no, she's gonna ask me what that man said in the car. And I can't tell you. Let me make it far less awkward and save your life here is the entire sermon in one slide. Next slide. No grumbling. Shine like stars. <laughs> that when we make a commitment to do all things without grumbling or disputing, it is in that moment that we're being light. And that should be the culture of all of our ministry teams, all of our volunteers, every ministry we do, to never ever tolerate grumbling or petty arguments because in that we get darker that to shine like stars is a commitment to doing all things without grumbling or disputing, to be a part of the song and never a gong. Now, great sermons are not meant to be agreed with, nor disagreed with. Like if a sermon can be evaluated the amount of time it took to deliver it, not a very good sermon, right? If you're like, I love that, I agree with him, okay. Or I hated that, I disagree with him. You've also missed the point. Plus, you think we need more grumbling, right? right? Great sermons are meant to be wrestled with. So let's, let's wrestle, next slide. Is shining as simple as not grumbling? Maybe we've defined being light too complex. Maybe it's actually a commitment 
to never grumble. And could you imagine a world with me? Or just not a world, imagine a church that actually took this seriously, this biblical mandate seriously, and we did not tolerate grumbling or disputing. We would be the most contagious culture on the earth. We would, we would. It's shining as simple as keep going. Look, there's nothing inspiring about somebody not going through anything. That's not inspiring. Most inspiring people you've ever met in your life are people who go through great things with their head up, their shoulders back, their hands clean, their heart pure, their taste sweet. Those people inspire us. It's shining as simple as knowing we have enough right now. There's something inspiring about somebody internally content with their material things. They're not striving for something, right? Maybe, next slide, maybe the, the most obvious application for today is, is, do we need to repent from grumbling? Do we need to take 20 seconds and give it its due? And instead of worrying about everybody else's sin, let's think about where we violated this. I grumbled this week. I don't mind telling you about what. I grumbled over traffic, which you people in Melbourne would know a lot about because whoever invented the roads thought no one would ever show up. They were surprised anybody wanted to live here. I grumbled about traffic. Let me tell you what was really happening, okay? This is what was really happening. I have my health. I was in a motor car on a paved road, traveling to meet a pastor friend of mine at a top restaurant. And we're good friends and we celebrate each other. And we all could easily afford every cost involved in that entire process. And I was still finding the one piece of mud, traffic. That's not shiny, that's dumb. The Bible word for that is, ready? sin. It's an inappropriate picture of the work of the risen Christ in our life. So may we take that seriously. Is God done redeeming things? No. Is it better than it's ever been? Yes. So I bless you, my brothers and sisters of Dandenong. May you not just be people on your way to heaven when you die. May you be people saying yes to the infinite possibilities God has for us to bring heaven to every place we see hell here. May we not just be a group of people who think believing all the right things makes us compelling. May we actually live it. May we make a commitment to doing all things without grumbling or disputing. I hope Jesus got bigger, the cross works better, the resurrection central. I hope scriptures got bigger, not smaller. Until I see it tonight, shine like stars, everybody. Grace and peace. listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.